Welcome to demo day. Doesn't everybody love grabbing a sledgehammer and doing a little bit of demo? Okay, before you start freaking out and emailing Pastor Paul and telling him that that crazy girl is about to take a sledgehammer to this beautiful wall that Simon and Ben made, don't worry. We're not literally gonna tear this wall down today, but we are gonna be looking at some of the walls we've put up in our lives and we're gonna be evaluating whether or not they need to be there and we're gonna begin the process of taking down and demoing some of those walls that we've put up in our own lives. You know, I have a friend named Brandy who's a safety director at a construction site and I was talking to her about what they do before they do any big demolition and she said they always bring the team together and have a safety meeting before the demo begins because she wants to make sure that everyone on the team understands the plan and knows knows all of the safety precautions beforehand so no one gets hurt or even worse may lose their life. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to start out with a little bit of a safety meeting and talk about some of the safety precautions that God's put in place for us. And then we're going to begin the work of evaluating the walls and doing some of the removal. And then we're going to wrap back up with a safety reminder at the end. So let's get started with our safety meeting this morning. So last week, Pastor Paul was talking to us about some of the walls and the framework behind the walls in our lives and making sure that we had anchored our truths to God's truth and that the framework and the studs in our life were in their proper place. And so after last week's message, maybe you were like me and thought, well, what do I do with these walls that might be in the wrong place or that might need to be exposed? And so let's just talk about the remodeling process and what we're going to do. Before we start removing these walls, we need to first remember that we have to have the right builder. And again, last week, Pastor Paul reminded us that God is the builder we need to choose. He is the perfect one that we can look to. And so the builder is gonna be that expert that's going to reveal to us the walls that need to be removed and the problems or hazards that may exist behind those walls. And so what I want you to hear today is everything that we're saying is being spoken by a God who is good and perfect and loving. Good is one of those attributes of God. And so when you hear the word good, I don't want you to just think about good and bad. I want you to think about it in the context of it being an attribute of God. I actually have a list of attributes of God and good is listed in that. And the way that that list defines the word good is in this way. God is what is best and he gives what is best. He is incapable of doing harm. I want you to hear that today. I think it's vitally important that we understand God is incapable of doing harm. Now, as we are talking today and we begin some of the work process, you may begin feeling bad or uncomfortable or uneasy about things that you hear in the message. And the reality is God may be exposing some issues behind the walls today. And he's going to identify some walls that we need to be removing. But we cannot go in with a sledgehammer like I tried to do and just tear that wall down. Because if we come in with a wrecking ball, we are going to destroy. We are not going to build up. And so we can't come in with sledgehammers and wrecking balls and just begin tearing walls down. What we need to do is begin an inspection of that wall. We've got to look and see if there are any hazards behind the wall itself. If we skip this process, if we skip this step, then the problem is going to be that we could possibly be tearing down a load-bearing wall and the weight of the entire structure may crumble up. Under it. So we need to proceed with caution as we do the demolition work. So 
One thing that we're going to do today as we go through and we look at the walls, I want you to remember that the intention of God is good towards you. It is not to bring harm. Now, I'm not telling you that you aren't going to maybe feel some pain or suffering. That We're told in Scripture by Jesus that we are expected to suffer, but suffering brings about hope. So that is going to be the end product today, not just harm and pain. Let me explain to you what, I, what I'm talking about here, because what God wants to do is really renew and rebuild. He's not out to destroy us, even though sometimes in our pain, we feel like that's what he's trying to do, but he's not. And so in, the reality is um, you may begin feeling shame and guilty feelings today as we talk about some of this, but the truth is God wants to bring conviction and healing. And so for every truth in God's word, there is a counter truth that the enemy tries to use in our lives to harm us and to hurt us and to cripple us. And so shame and guilt work as these two things. Shame and conviction are the two opposites. Conviction is God's truth to help lead us towards repentance. Shame is the enemy's way to make us feel guilty. Let me explain it to you this way. Shame is going to be an overall feeling of hopelessness and defeat. Conviction is going to be a sharp scalpel. It's going to be like a surgeon's knife cutting very precise and very targeted. Shame leads to inaction because of no clear direction. That's what the enemy's tactic would be to make you feel shameful and guilty because it's going to lead you to inaction and hopelessness and defeat. And some of you are in that this morning. Some of you feel that right now as I'm speaking. What I want you to hear is that God may want to bring about conviction and conviction leads to action known as repentance. And we're going to keep talking about that a little bit more when we get into the actual work today. So now that we've had our safety talk and you know that you're in a safe place and you know that God is not out to harm you, remember that definition of what the good attribute of God is. He is incapable of doing harm. So let's start looking at some of the walls that may need to be removed in our lives. This whole series, Build, is talking about building character and community and culture. And so we're really going to be looking at the character of our lives and identifying some areas in our life that we've put up walls that don't need to be there. And we need to allow God to come in and to reveal those walls to us. So there are a couple of walls that stand out to me. There may be more, but these are the ones we're going to focus on today. There's the wall of deflection, the walls of isolation, and the walls of protection. We're going to start with the wall of deflection. What does this wall of deflection look like? This looks like, if you were like me, have you ever listened to a podcast or listened to a message or listened to a sermon and thought to yourself, you know, my spouse really needs to hear that, or my sister needs to hear that, or my kid's teacher needs to hear that? That's probably a wall of deflection. So we want to address that. I want to say to you in the most loving way, this message is not for your spouse. It's not for your neighbor. It's not for your brother. And it's not for your sister. This message is for me. And this message is for you. So we want to hear that today. As a matter of fact, Jesus tells us in Luke 6, 41, he says, why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log in your own eye? Can I tell you how many times I've experienced that where I want to identify in other people areas that they need to work on? And the whole time God is in love saying to me, hey, Stacy, 
There is a log in your eye. And then Jesus goes on to say, until we remove the log out of our eye, we cannot remove the speck out of our brother's eye. And so the reality is maybe there will be a time where you need to share this message or another message that you hear with someone else, but we cannot do that until we first receive the message for ourselves and we evaluate ourselves and we remove the log out of our eye. Then Jesus says, only then will you be able to see clearly so that you can help remove the speck out of your brother's eye. So let's just take a minute. We're going to pray and we're going to ask God to remove anything that's hindering us from hearing what he wants to say to us. We want to give him free reign to look behind our walls, to expose any hazards or prepare any area for demolition. So let's pray together this morning. Father, we just thank you that you have given us ears to hear and a heart to respond. Open our hearts, open our eyes today to hear your word spoken to us. We know that your word is true and it's used to build us up and sanctify us. We give you permission today to allow your word to accomplish its purpose today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now that we have removed that wall of deflection, we are gonna be able to allow ourselves to be exposed. We're gonna to agree to allow the Holy Spirit to do his job and expose in us anything that needs to be removed. I know this can be a difficult process, but I promise you stick with me, it's gonna be worth it in the end. You're gonna hear me say several times today, if he reveals it, he can heal it. I'm gonna say that over and over because I have needed to hear that from God myself and I'll share a little bit about that with you um, later on. But if he reveals it, he can heal it. Another wall that we put up is this wall of isolation. And I'll tell you, in the last six months, it's easier to put this wall up now more than ever. I mean, I remember in the beginning of the quarantine and the pandemic back in March, I was driving down the interstate and I saw signs that said, go home, stay home. I mean, talk about feeling isolating when you're driving down the road and you're seeing signs say, go home and stay home. Or maybe you see the signs that say, stay six feet apart from other people and you're afraid to even like look at your neighbor because you're being told all the time not to be around people and to stay isolated and socially distance yourself. And I'm not saying those things weren't wise. Scientifically and medically, we know that those are wise things, but we have to be careful to make sure that they're not putting lasting impressions or putting up walls in our mind and in our thought process that we're to isolate ourselves. Have you ever said to yourself, you know, I really am done with people. I don't need anybody. It's just me and Jesus, and I am fine with just me and Jesus. Well, I'm here to tell you it's not actually what Scripture says. Scripture doesn't say that it's just okay to be alone. As a matter of fact, the author of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 3.13, the author tells us, but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. See, we feed into the lie that we don't need other people and that it's okay to be alone. We can't get any further than Genesis 2.18 before God is saying, it is not good that man should be alone. As early as Genesis 2.18, God says, he looks at Adam and he says, 
Yeah, it's not good for man to be alone because he knows if we are alone and we're isolated and we're by ourselves, then the sin that's going on in our lives will harden our hearts and deceive us into continuing to believe the lies. There's so many verses about doing life together, building one another up, encouraging each other. And so what we need to do is to stop believing the lie that isolation is okay. I don't care how many times we're told to social distance. Yes, we we should do that for the safety of our community. But that does not mean that I have to live in isolation. There are many ways that we can communicate and connect with others without being within six feet. I don't know about you, but I've caught myself watching some TV shows over the last few months, and I see people hugging, and I kind of cringe on the inside. I'm like, no, you're not supposed to hug each other. We have to keep social distance. And then I think, where did that thought come from? So we just need to be aware that we are in a time and in an unusual, unprecedented time where social distancing and isolation are kind of the norm for us now. And we've got to move past that. We've got to remove that wall. And we need to understand that isolating ourselves, isolating our life and our thoughts and the intentions of our heart from those around us who care about us, it is not okay. It's destructive. Isolation leads to destruction. That's the truth. Isolation leads to destruction. So we've got to start removing the wall of isolation. You know, for some of us, we've given up some really good habits. Sometimes habits are bad and sometimes habits are good. There is a good habit of routine of coming to church on Sunday mornings. But for a lot of us, we've lost that habit in our lives because of the unprecedented times that we're in. And so we've stopped coming to church. And I understand that you don't feel safe coming to church. You don't feel safe leaving your house. But we've, what can we do then when we have stopped being in the habit of gathering together? We need to start getting together with others and joining in, whether we're online or in the watch party here on Sunday mornings. We need to start being courageous and willing to come back together and meet with a few other people and have a set time to worship God together through worship and teaching and prayer. And so if you are tuning in for the first time today and you haven't listened in a while and the first message you're hearing is you feel like I'm beating you up because you haven't been tuning into services on a weekly basis, remember there's no shame and there's no condemnation here, but you may be feeling the conviction of God to really stop trying to fit church into the rest of your activities. Because for a lot of us, We've gotten out of the habit of being at church in the physical building on Sunday mornings and other things have filled that space. And so now we're just trying to fit in watching church whenever we can and whenever we can fit it into our schedule. And the reality is if you find yourself trying to fit it in, you may very well have a wall of isolation going on. And I want to say that in the most loving way, not to condemn you and not to bring about shame, but to bring about a change and a repentance and recognizing, like Jesus said, choose the good portion. Make first things first again. That's what he's calling us to do. Only when we order the rest of our life around God and his principles will the other areas of our life fall into place. So again, this isn't to bring 
bring shame or to hurt you, but it is for us to make a decision today for that conviction to happen and for it to lead to some action so that today we can say, I'm going to decide today to order my life and order my family around putting God first. So I want to encourage you, if you have not regularly been meeting in this online environment or here at the watch party at the same time each week, that's an easy, simple step that you can start doing this week. Call one of the families or one of the friends that you haven't seen in a while since we haven't been meeting at church in the last six months and ask them, hey, on Wednesday night at seven o'clock, do you want to meet on the back porch and watch church together? If Sunday mornings don't work for you, find a set time to meet with God. Put that good habit back in our lives. You know, and the other thing we're doing is we're starting small groups. Soon, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be kicking off our small groups here. So you'll be able to go to our website and our um, app, and you'll be able to find out what small groups we're offering. And this is the time to get plugged into a small group. We're going to offer some online small groups and some in-person small groups. So we want to meet you where you are. And I know it's not the most ideal to do it online. Don't use that as an excuse anymore. Be courageous. Remove that wall of isolation. Let God begin that demo process and begin reconnecting with others in Christ so that we can sharpen one another. There's verse after verse that talks about meeting together and not to give up the habit of meeting together. And so I want to encourage you as we are kicking off small groups on September 13th, begin the process now of thinking about what kind of small group you want to be involved in. And as we release the information about the small groups, start looking in that, looking at those groups and thinking about what kind of group you want to be a part of. This is the time to connect with others. So don't wait. Don't make excuses. Be bold and courageous and get plugged into some small groups. So by the time they start in mid-September, you already know which group you want to be a part of. So there's one other wall we're going to talk about today. And this is kind of one of those weird walls. It's I'm calling it a wall of protection. And you may think to yourself, why would she say a wall of protection is bad? Walls are to protect us. I mean, I'm thankful I got a wall in my bedroom. As a matter of fact, my husband and I just were out of town and the room that we stayed in in our cabin, it didn't have a full wall or a bedroom door, okay? And I was there with my kids and my mom and you know, whatever, I'll, I'll just say that. But I need some walls in my life. And so when I'm talking about a wall of protection, I'm talking about those false walls of protection that we put up because a lot of times we'll, we'll protect ourselves by saying, you know, I can't really tell them everything because then they're not going to accept me. That's a false wall of protection. And the reality is we're hiding behind those walls because we're trying to control situations. And the reality is we're not in control. And so this wall of protection that we put up is really us just trying to hide, trying to hide our lives from other people, trying to hide our lives from God. And the reality is, I'll show you in scripture in just a few minutes, nothing, nothing, not one creature on this planet, scripture says, is hidden from God, but all are exposed. And the truth is we can be exposed because we can trust ourselves with God. We can entrust ourselves to a loving and good God. We try to control situations and I am the number one control freak. I know that I try to control things. And what God has been showing to me is that instead of trying to control, I need to surrender to the one who is ultimately in control and who truly cares for me. I heard someone say this week that true safety only comes in total surrender. True safety 
only comes in total surrender. So instead of putting up walls of protection, trying to protect ourselves from God and from others, what we really need to do is get on our knees and surrender to God, every aspect of our lives. Surrender your marriage to God, surrender your finances to God, surrender the uncertain future to God, surrender your children to God, because only in total surrender will we experience true safety. As a matter of fact, James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You see, when we submit ourselves to God, when we entrust our lives, when we entrust our hearts, when we entrust our thoughts, good and bad, to God, who is good and loving and perfect, then and only then are we able to resist the devil. You are never going to do enough behavior modification on your own or enough of your own strength to resist the enemy or the worldly attacks that come on our mind. It is only in real submission and surrender to the God of the universe who loves you and cares for you are you actually going to be able to resist the devil and then he will flee from you. Remember, I told you I'm going to say it over and over and over again. If he reveals it, he can heal it, but we have to allow him to do that. You know, last week, Pastor Paul shared with us that really famous verse out of Hebrews 4, and it talks about the word of God being sharper than any two-edged sword, and it divides between joint and marrow, and it splits between thoughts and intentions. It is so specific, and the word of God is alive and active. Well, I want to continue talking a little bit more about what the author of Hebrews is saying there, because right after that verse, we pick up in Hebrews 4, 13, through 16. Listen as I read this. Now remember, he had just said the Word of God is alive and active and it can divide the most narrow of things. It actually translates that the Word of God is like a surgeon's scalpel using that much precision. And then he goes on to say, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Since then we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Did you hear that? You feel right now like you are the only one who has been tempted in this area or who has dealt with this thought or who has suffered this great loss. But the reality is that Jesus Christ has been tempted in every way that we have been tempted, yet he is perfect and holy. And scripture says he is without sin. And because of that, because we serve a high priest who is perfect but yet also understands what it feels like to be weak and vulnerable. Because of that, we can then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I don't know where you are in the middle of this pandemic and I don't know how much of an effect it's had on your life, but what I do know is it's had an effect on every single one of our lives. There is not a person listening or here with us this morning that has not felt a little bit of disappointment. Every single one of us could probably sit around and talk about the things that we have lost, the things that we didn't get to do, the opportunities that have gone by the wayside. 
the family members that we haven't been able to see, the relatives that we have not been able to visit in nursing homes. So whatever it is, we all are in a time of need. And this is a time where we need to submit to God. We need to allow him to do that demolition work in our hearts so that we can draw near to his throne of grace, draw near with a boldness. If you are a child of God, you boldly get to enter into his throne room and approach his throne of grace because there, and only there, in no comfort that you have in this world will you find mercy, but only in the throne room of the grace of God will we find mercy to help in our time of need. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of builder I want in my life. That's the kind of builder that I'm gonna put my money behind. That's the kind of builder I can trust. That's the kind of builder that I'm gonna allow to have control over my family and over my children and over my relationships with my friends and my extended family. So as we've been talking this morning, has God revealed anything in your life that needs to be removed? Because remember, he only reveals to heal. You may be feeling pretty beat up right now. You may be feeling sort of hurt and bruised right now. But I want to remind you of a promise in God's word. In Isaiah 42, 3, um, he tells us that he will not break a bruised reed or snuff out a dimly lit candle. It's a prophecy about the coming of Jesus. And then it specifically says he is not going to break a bruised reed and he's not going to sniff out that dimly lit candle. I don't know about you, but some of you may be feeling beaten and bruised today. Or you may feel like, I don't know if I'm really shining a bright light for God. Maybe your light is dim. Maybe you feel bruised. But I want to remind you, God is not here to break you down. God is not here to harm you. God is not here to condemn you. He is here to build you up. It may require some demolition. And we all know demolition gets messy and it's dirty and it's a difficult process. But if you stick with God through this process, he's going to bring about a beautiful picture of redemption and healing. And he's going to do a remodel in our lives that we cannot even begin to fathom or imagine. I want to show you this beautiful picture of Jesus actually doing some revealing and healing. It's probably a very well-known passage, and I'm sure a lot of you have heard it, but I want you to hear it in a new light this morning as I talk about it. So it's in um, the Gospel of John, and it's the passage about the woman who was caught in adultery. So basically, all of the religious leaders, all the Pharisees of the time are at church on a Sunday morning, basically, and they find this woman who is being, she's been caught in the act of adultery. So they bring her out. Just imagine that these, these religious leaders bring her out, expose her to the crowds. She's probably half naked. She's probably got her hair all messed up and she's standing there full of shame and guilt, fully exposed. Remember the scripture in Hebrews that we just talked about that says, no creature is hidden, but all are exposed and naked before God. I am sure this woman felt so exposed and so shameful when they brought her out. And then the Pharisees began looking at Jesus to test him and said, but Jesus, the law of Moses says we are to stone her because she was caught in the act of adultery. And they are correct. They're quoting Bible verses. And how often does our culture quote some Bible verse at you when you're already down? And maybe they're doing it and they think they're trying to help, but all you feel is shame and guilt and exposure. I want you to hear the words of Jesus. Jesus looked at the men standing around and he said, the one without sin is the first to pick up and throw a stone. 
And do you know, one by one, they began walking away. And so we pick up in John 8, verses 10 and 11, and it says, Woman, where are they? Jesus stood up and he looked at this woman in the face and he said, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And the only thing we hear from this whole scenario with this woman, the only thing she says is, no one, Lord. And Jesus says to her, and I just would love to believe that Jesus grabbed her face and he looked right into her eyes and he said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. That is what Jesus is speaking to us today. He is not speaking a word of condemnation over our lives. Romans tells us there is no condemnation for those in Christ. Jesus wants to grab your face today and pull your head up because you may feel shame and exposure. And Jesus wants you to say, I am not here to condemn you. But then in love, that moment of conviction, he says, go and sin no more. I mean, come on. When I first read that, I was like, Jesus, what do you mean go and sin no more? I'm not perfect. I'm going to keep sinning. We don't think that this woman went the rest of her life and never committed another sin, do we? No, what Jesus was getting to was that repetitive, rebellious sin. What he was getting to is that deliberate sinfulness that happens in our lives. And it happens to all of us. And that's what Jesus was getting to there when he said, go and sin no more. Don't continue in this pattern and in this lifestyle. And so maybe for you today, this is a time where you look back and see, are there any patterns of, of the same repetitive sin nature that I'm doing over and over again? Allow God to expose that to you. You know, God started doing some remodeling in my life. I started entering into this pandemic by saying, God, I don't want to be the same when all of this is over. I, I want to be different. I want to be more like you. Well, when I prayed that prayer, what I didn't realize was that there was going to be a demolition process in my life. And so as I continuously in faith prayed that prayer to God, asking him to make me different and to change me and to, to use this time to shape me more like Christ, oh, God began a demolition process, all right, in my life. He began remodeling my life. Sometime over quarantine, um, he began to reveal to me some idols in my life. You know, in normal circumstances, these things that he began to reveal to me were not necessarily bad in and of themselves. And I don't know what they may be for you. Maybe it's uh, internet shopping late at night or to escape from a long day. Maybe it's binge watching Netflix. Maybe it's drinking too much wine or drinking wine every day. Maybe it's an excessive use of social media or spending an excessive amount of time on social media. And again, in and of themselves, those things may not be idols. But for me, God began to reveal those idols in my life. He began to show me those areas that I was running to and I was putting my comfort in instead of going to him, the God of all comfort. It was a very painful process. It involved a lot of tears and it was a very painful and sorrowful process, but it led me to repentance and ultimately to the healing and refreshment of my soul. So you may be wondering, well, what did that process look like? Um, because if I was listening, I would want someone to tell me exactly how they walked through that process. And my process and what I experienced may be a little bit different, but this is how it happened for me. I began with these feelings of just kind of a, a sadness, um, depression, 
hopelessness. And I recognized that that was something that wasn't right, but I couldn't put my finger on it. And so I began being intentional and setting some time apart every single day to pray and to seek God. And then God led me to say, you know what? I want you to begin fasting and praying once a week. One of the ways that I really connect to God is through fasting and prayer on a weekly basis. And I had gotten out of the habit of doing that. For goodness sakes, y'all, we were in a pandemic and I was trying to homeschool my kids and I cannot do that. So I had gotten out of some of my good habits like we talked about. And so God just began stirring in me to do that again. And so I began to set aside time once a week where on that day I would fast from food and I would fast from TV and social media and any normal leisure activity during that day. And so when I would find myself, my day was Wednesdays usually, when I would find myself with free time, I would spend it reading God's word. And I also ask a friend to come alongside me and hold me accountable in this and to pray with me and to pray for me that God would reveal things to my life. And boy, like a surgeon with a scalpel, he cut straight to my heart. And I will tell you, it was painful. It was sorrowful, but it brought about repentance. I'll be honest, there were a couple of nights where I cried myself to sleep, reading some of the Psalms, asking God to forgive me. And then I went into this self-hatred thing and God very quickly grabbed me out of that and said, no, you are forgiven. I have forgiven you. You have removed the idols. Now let me do this part of rebuilding and restoring. And he began using other people to speak words of encouragement to me. He even used my 18-year-old next-door neighbor to send me a text that was nothing short of a God-inspired word that I had just asked him about. And then he used my 18-year-old neighbor to minister to my heart. So I want to invite you, let's allow God to come in and to inspect our walls and let him do a beautiful remodel. He's going to start looking and doing this inspection to find out what kind of hazards might be in the wall. You know, if we just started tearing this wall down over here, the reality is there's there's an electrical outlet on it. We're going to run into problems. The plumbing needs to be rerouted. The electricity needs to be rerouted. If we start tearing that wall down and we do nothing with it, it's going to cause bigger problems. So begin asking God, do you have unforgiveness behind that wall? Do you have jealousy, bitterness, frustration, disappointment? All of those things may, may be hiding behind the walls that we have put up in our lives. Just tearing that wall down and not dealing with those problems and those feelings is going to be disastrous. And so again, like I was saying, for me, that meant I needed to have someone come along and help evaluate the situation in my life. In the construction world, when I was talking to Brandy, she said they have what's called a quality control inspector. And this person's job is to walk around and to inspect to make sure that things are being done right and that before they demo the wall, the quality control inspector says, hey, you got to do something with this electrical box here. You can't do that. So I want to encourage you, maybe find a friend that you can trust that has God's interest for you that you can go to and say, you know, I'm really struggling. Can, can you help me see some areas in my life that may be challenging, maybe taking me away from God? Ask God to show you any of the hazardous thoughts that you may be having and, and include your friend in that and ask your friend to pray with you and to pray for you. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. The demolition process can be messy and hard, but it is worth it in the end. So, 
We've had our safety meeting. We've begun that process. I told you it was going to get messy, but let's wrap up now um, with our final safety meeting. It's actually going to be a daily meeting that we're going to be having here. It's going to be continuing for the next six days because today starts officially our seven days of prayer and fasting. And we want to invite you to be a part of that. We did it in January, the last several years, but we really feel strongly that this is a time for us to come together as a community and as a church and begin corporately praying together. And so you can join us in person Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. right here, or you can join us online. But we want to use this time to seek God and allow him to speak to each of us. I encourage you to use this focused time of prayer. You know, we talked about beginning to establish those good habits again. Start right now. Start today establishing that habit. Go to bed early tonight so you can get up in the morning at 6 a.m. and you can meet with us as we come together for a focused time of prayer. This will allow God to continue that ongoing demolition process in our lives so that he can do the rebuilding because we can trust him even when things get hard. You know, he tells us that we have to submit to him. That's what his word tells us in James 4. And you know, so often I love to quote James 4 and it says, draw near to God and God's gonna draw near to you. But I wanna put that verse in context for you because it is a picture of demolition and remodeling. And the demolition part gets skipped over a lot of times. I'll be honest, I, I don't typically read this whole thing in context because it's a little hard to read. But this is the very scripture where God removed idols out of my heart. So I feel like it's something he wants me to share with you this morning. James 4, 7 through 10 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Remember that surrender. Surrender to him. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Now this is the demolition part that we don't like to read a lot. We stop in the middle of that verse with draw near to God and he'll draw near to you because that sounds really good. But the verse goes on to say, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. I mean, come on, if that's not demolition language, I don't know what is. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. He is demoing some things that are bad construction in our lives, but wait for it because here comes the remodeling part. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. See, he wants to build beautiful things in our lives, but we cannot skip the demolition process. As a matter of fact, Peter tells us in 1 Peter 3.10, he explains a little bit more. Peter says also, you know, humble yourselves before the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time, he can exalt you. There is a proper time after the demolition, after the tearing down of the false idols and the false things and the false protection that we're holding on to, then and only then can God lift us up. And then Peter goes on to explain what it means when God exalts us. This is the rebuilding process that God has in store for us. He says in 1 Peter 3.10, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. 
and you will be a rebuilt ancient ruin that will be beautiful. Your life will be beautiful and others will be drawn to it. So let's allow this demolition process to begin, even though it's painful, even though it's hard. We're about to move into this moment of expression. And whether you're here with us in the building this morning or you're joining us online, we want to invite you to use this time of expression, this time where you can seek out prayer. You can reach out to us if you're watching online so that we can pray with you this morning. Or whether you participate in communion and remind yourself that Jesus Christ sinless and perfect is our high priest and his body was broken and his blood was shed for the forgiveness of our sins or whether we just come together and worship in this moment and sing his praises we invite you to participate in this moment of expression God we thank you for everything that you are doing even amongst the dust and the rubble that is around our lives we thank you that we are reminded that you are not here to break us and to harm us that you are incapable of doing harm but you are to bring about good for us Father and any suffering and any pain has a purpose and the purpose to, is to bring about the hope the hope of Christ it's Christ in us the hope of glory and so Father we invite you into this space bring about your hope for your prospering for your glory in Jesus name amen